from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, hanging out with you inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, 3150 Erie Boulevard East in down in, in Syracuse. I always want to say downtown. In Syracuse, New York, right there on Erie Boulevard. 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. You know how it is, folks, at Charney's. Find what fits you. Regular, big, and tall sizes all available to you. All different styles and all different things to connect with. So thank you so much to Charney's and for all that they do. We got a jam-packed show today, and we're starting a few minutes back here. We thank you for your patience. And, you know, for me... I was thinking about, I was like, what are we going to do for Monday, November 4th? There's so many things to talk about, right? There's the NFL games that have gone on, you know, the NBA is back and there's different things that, you know, have happened. There's interviews we're going to do. I'm coming off of a big event at Marywood University, but I found that there's no other way that I can start this week than talking about Syracuse football. And we really need to wall to wall this thing. Like we need to canvas today's show with Syracuse football conversation because this is a very, very frustrating time for Syracuse football. And there's things that have happened here within the last few hours, less than 24 hours ago, Syracuse's defensive coordinator was fired and their defensive ends coach was moved into the interim job as defensive coordinator as well. And that being uh, Steve Stannard being moved up and Brian Ward being let go. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to be talked about. There's a lot of stuff to be had. Your your thoughts are going to be on today's show as well. So many of you weighed in on what you think about this season so far, and I'm going to get to that. So, you know, like I said, I found that there was really no other way to tackle today than to have a conversation about Syracuse football just straight up for two hours because this is a conversation that I can't, I can't minimize, you know what I mean? So we have to talk about it. We have to discuss it. This is this is awful. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. I did not think that I was going to be covering a three and six football team this this season. I, I that would have to win every every game to end the season in order to get into the playoffs. I think that very the reality is here that Syracuse can end the season three and nine, if not four and eight, and that would be the third time that Dino Babers is four and eight in four seasons. So. You know, and then he starts to look like the the Scott Schaefer era, so to speak, and then people start questioning that. So, you know, I mean, people liked that Scott, you know, people from the outside looking in told me they thought Scott was a great man. They thought he was a really good person, a really kind person, good to the community, cared about the community, but he didn't win. Well, Dino doesn't seem, you know, to have that same connection with the community, and he's not winning. So, you know, what does that say, and where does that put everything right now? So, you know, and, and, and all the things that have come up, and Rob Drummond and I had a, a very deep conversation about, you know, different things that have gone on, and we spoke about Dino Babers in our pregame show that went into the Boston College game, and it's a very pertinent show to watch, even though it was before the BC game, because we spent the majority of the time talking about the state of the team and some of the things that Dino Babers has done, including calling one of his players a quitter, you know, and, and doing that publicly, which Rob and I both harshly disagreed with, you know, when you're mad at somebody to go out and publicly, cause I know that I know that in my personal life, you know, 
as to go out and say something about somebody, you know, you regret that. And, and it could be anything. It could be a friend. It could be a girlfriend. It could be a boyfriend. It could be a parent. You know, if you just go out, you know, if I came out on my show today and I just said something really nasty about, you know, like one of my friends in my life or something like that, like, oh, they did this. And then I called out their name and I'm like, you know, they're this, that and the other. That's not going to go over well. And I'm going to have some regrets on that or I should have some regrets on that. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of stuff to get to. And to be completely honest with you, I don't know where to begin to sift through this pile, but we're going to have to sift through this pile together this morning. So with that being said, welcome to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. If you're just tuning in on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt, as well as on facebook.com backslash livenowdt, and you can also listen on wakeupcalldt.com where the MixLR radio feed is embedded. However you're connecting with the show today, first and foremost, thank you. Secondly, feel free to leave your comments and your thoughts. If you have thoughts about Syracuse football, I want you to leave your comments as we're talking today because so many of you already have left your comments over the weekend, and I'm going to get to all those. So if you have any, make sure you put them in here. Uh, Rob Rob Drummond, a you know, good friend of mine and, and somebody who does the shows with me and former Syracuse player and former Jamesville DeWitt player and a local person here, he said, hmm, community connection. Until they do right by the athletes in this city, things will never change. And that there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to what Rob's saying. So I'm going to put this here. Uh, leave your thoughts on Syracuse football's current state here in the message board. Because I want to know what people are thinking. And we're going to get to a lot of your thoughts coming up here. But I do want to address the fact that yesterday there was a move that was made. And I think it was a move that, you know, was was uh, was a long time coming. I, I'm surprised that it that it hasn't happened. So I, I was really and this is not me wishing bad on anybody. I'll never wish for anybody to have anything bad happen to them. I don't care how bad the person is. I'm not going to wish bad on any human being. Number one, that's, you know, that's not good. It's not how God would want it to be. And number two, you know, karma is karma. And even if they're a bad person, if you start putting out bad karma, that comes back and hits you in the face. So, you know, you don't want to do that. And uh, and I definitely won't. So I'm not, I want to make clear that I'm not saying that that I wished for anybody to lose their job, including Brian Ward. I personally, based on numbers, didn't understand how he was still in the defensive coordinator post that he was in at Syracuse because of the fact that, you know, this was coming to Syracuse wasn't the only place where he had struggled. You know, that that's not the only place where he had given up a bunch of points. And I want to go back to one of my articles on wakeupcalldt.com, and you can read these articles at any time. You can literally just go to the articles tab on wakeupcalldt.com. There's over 500 articles in our internet newspaper, and you can feel free to read those whenever you want. But I put up a story, and I'm going to go back to it right now, about the numbers <clears throat> and about you know what was going on with Brian Ward from the beginning. And it was called simply, by the numbers, a change is needed on defense. I wrote this on September 8th of 2018. So we're talking about a year and two months ago, I wrote this. Basically, almost a year and two months ago to the day today, I wrote this story. And now we're seeing the end of Brian Ward. So it, this is how the story reads. For those of you that haven't seen it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what the story is right now so that you get the numbers. Because Brian Ward was dismissed as defensive coordinator of Syracuse effective immediately. And that happened yesterday. So here's the story. Syracuse, New York is known as a blue collar town. Hardworking. 
being willing to work for what they want, going after your dreams instead of waiting for them. The Syracuse football team historically has been similar on defense. Attack the day. Go after what they want. The current era of Syracuse football detracts from that defensively with a scheme that does not see seem menacing or thunderous. It feels more reactionary than the preemptive strikes a defense is supposed to make, reading and reacting instead of pouncing and attacking. The change to the Orange defense came under current defensive coordinator Bryant Ward, who came with Dino Babers when Babers was hired as the head coach of the Orange before the 2016 season. Ward has been a defensive coordinator consistently since the 2011 season when he oversaw the defense as a member of the Drake Bulldogs staff in the football championship subdivision FCS group, which is Division I AA. Drake allowed 17.8 points per game that season. That was good. But following that season, defense under Ward have elevate, defenses under Ward have elevated in more points that they give up to their foes. As defensive coordinator for the Western Illinois Leathernecks, also in the FCS, for three seasons beginning in 2012, Ward led a defense that gave up 28.2 points per game in 2012, 25.25 in 2013, and 27.25 in 2014 points per game. Moving forward to the 2015 season, where he served as defensive coordinator for the Bowling Green Falcons, Ward, Ward oversaw a defense that allowed an average of 28.9 points per game when he was the defensive coordinator of Bowling Green. No two seasons have been worse defensively, though, as the, as the seasons where Ward came into Syracuse. Ward's defensive scheme gave up 38.58 points per game in 2016 and 32.17 in 2017. The Orange allowed 76 points to longtime rival the Pittsburgh Panthers in his first season with the team and followed up by giving up 162 points combined among the final three games of the 2017 season, an average of 54 points given up per game in that three-game span. Syracuse began its third season under Ward by allowing 42 points to the Western Michigan Broncos. As can be seen by the numbers, it's not the personnel that cannot make this defense run. They, there have been different players on the team over the years, and four different schools reward his oversaw the defense since 2011. But this is not a witch hunt for the defensive coordinator. It's the reality that this passive defense is simply not working. Giving up 30 or more points per game on average for the last two seasons combined at Syracuse is not an ingredient to success. It puts all the pressure on the Syracuse offense to essentially, quote-unquote, bail out the defense, setting the bar high for the offense, needing them to score 30 or more points on average just to stand a chance. The, def the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different results. What this defense has led to is Syracuse being on plenty of highlight film for other teams' offenses and individual player performances. It's not led to winning seasons or bowl berths, bowl berths the majority of the time. This defensive scheme looks to be hindering more than it's helping the team as a whole on defense. So this is not a witch hunt. It's a plea to stop trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and give this city a team that once again mirrors us, going after our dreams with intensity and aggressiveness instead of just waiting and reacting to what others are doing. I wrote that story two years ago, and now we are seeing the reality. That story two years ago, I said we are on the highlight film. Syracuse is on the highlight film. If you watch the NFL draft and you look at the ACC tape or tape of non-conference games, we are the highlight film. Syracuse is the highlight film. Lamar Jackson, they might show five clips. Three of them, three of them are, are against Syracuse. And I said that this past week to, to my buddy sitting next to me in the press box. We are now back on the highlight film. That is where things are going. Writing this story two years ago, 
and telling you these numbers. Look at what Syracuse is doing now. They were giving up 38 points here, 35 points. What are they doing now? They give up 58 points to a team that's not known for scoring offensively to Boston College. They lost by 31 to Boston College. My story two years ago, and I said as soon as I write the story, they're going to get better, and they did. They went to a bowl game, but look at where they are again. The majority of the time that Brian Ward has been a defensive coordinator, his teams have been giving up 25 to 30 points, if not 40 points a game. And now you give up almost 60 to Boston College. And what did I write in that in that byline? What did I write in the line? What did I write in that story toward the end? You put all of the pressure on the offense to have to score 30 or more points. I said that two years ago when they had Dungy. They can't score 30 or more points against good teams with the offense that they have right now and Tommy DeVito. It's not working. So you set up them to fail. The The words of two years ago ring true today because it's still the same problem. And that's why he's not there anymore. Pat Orr said, when teams are losing, it all falls on the head coach. He does not have control or respect of his players and coaches. And Pat, I'm going to get to that, so I appreciate you bringing it up. And then Rob said, why is the focus on Ward when it should be on Babers? Ward didn't get a contract extension. Babers did. And Rob, you make your point too. What I'm stating is... It was Dino Baber's decision to bring in a coach that was allowing almost 40 points a game to opposing offenses. It was Dino Baber's decision to bring in Brian Ward, knowing that Brian Ward couldn't stop anybody. It was his decision to bring him in. So it was Dino's decision to bring in a coach that coaches a defense whose job is to stop other teams from scoring that wasn't stopping other teams from scoring. So that is an issue, okay? That is a problem, and that was a Baber's decision. So I'm planting the seed by telling you what I wrote two years ago to give you the reality and the statistical numbers of Brian Ward and the unsuccess that he has against stopping anybody the majority of the time, okay, outside of last season. But again, they had Dungy. So with all of that being said, to go to Pat's point and to go to Rob's point, who hired Brian Ward? Dino Babers. So if Dino Babers is firing Brian Ward, what is Dino Babers essentially saying? He made the wrong decision. He made the wrong decision. So what typically happens when a coach makes a bad decision and fires a coordinator? That is usually the potential beginning of the end for that coach. Because, and I'm not saying that Syracuse is doing this, because I don't know if Syracuse is doing this right now, so I can't say that they are because I don't know. But what I know is from what I have experienced is when you start firing your coordinators, that says, okay, you know what? I'm going to get rid of my coordinators because something's not working. If it continues to not work after you get rid of your coordinators, you know what that does? The onus falls on you. So that problem falls on you eventually. If you can't get it right, it falls on you. So you fire Brian Ward. So now the question becomes, if Dino, if you keep losing, right, if you keep failing, if this keeps going bad, if it keeps going south, then is it your fault? Is it on you now? And Pat's saying, it's on the head coach. And Pat, I don't disagree with you because I don't believe he has control or respect from this team at all right now. I don't. And I, and, and I feel that way based on his mannerisms and based on the things that he's saying publicly and based on his attitude. Because I didn't see Schaefer throw anybody under the bus. 
And I honestly, I honestly didn't see Marone really throw anybody under the bus. He made a comment about the fans leaving in the third quarter, but I didn't really see him throw any of the players under the bus. But Ryan Alexander decides to leave the program, and, you know, in the middle of the season, our starting right tackle leaves the program, and what does Dino say? We don't talk about people who quit. We don't talk, We, you know, he called the O-line coach, he didn't call me. That that literally sound, that sounds like a baby child. And I, you know what? And, and that's the thing is, and this could be any coach. Again, it's not a witch hunt. This could be any coach. I would say this about any coach. He didn't call me, he called somebody else. At least he called somebody. Do you know how many coaches leave teams and they don't call anybody? They don't say anything to anybody? They leave a little text message? Okay, when Marone left, the players, the players already knew, and he did address it, but they already knew. They knew before he told them. That should never happen. There's a respect there. Okay? There's a respect there. And you might think, I can screw over these 50 kids, these 90 kids, these because I'm never going to see them again. But that's not how life works. You can't say, I'm going to screw over these people because I'll just get new people. You know? Because eventually it comes back and gets you. I'm going to screw over all these girlfriends, but my new girlfriend doesn't know what I did. That's going to eventually come and bite you in the butt. I'm going to screw over my boyfriend because he doesn't know what I did to these other guys that I dated. I'm going to be a restaurant owner, and I don't care if these three if these three people leave, if these 30 people even don't like it, because there's thousands of people in the city. Somebody's going to come to me. I'm still going to make money. That's not the way to think about life. And I'm not saying that's how Dino is thinking. I'm just saying right now for you to go out there and call one of your players a quitter and be like, well, he called the O-line coach. He didn't call me. He called somebody. Players and coaches leave all the time. They don't talk to anybody. Okay? I know players that have left and haven't said anything to anybody or allegedly fabricated things. Okay? He called his O-line coach. He called the coach that he had the best relationship with, and that's how it should be. That's how it should be. You're the head coach. You oversee it all, okay? I get that. I get that. But his O-line coach is the guy who's with him in the trenches all the time. So you're saying publicly that he talked to his O-line coach, but he didn't call you. At least he talked to the person that he probably has the closest relationship with on the team. The guy who was with him every single day. The guy who saw all the blood, sweat, and tears more than you did because you have to oversee the entire team. You can't be there unless you're micromanaging. You're not there every second with the offensive line. And if you're micromanaging the offensive line, then it is your fault that they're terrible because if you're in there every single second... Okay, but we have to look at this situation and be real about this. There are so many different things that are going on right now, okay? And when he hired Brian Ward, how could you not see that that was already going to be a problem? That was already going to be a doomsday. You're hiring a coach whose job is to stop people on defense, and statistically, historically, he stopped teams when he was the defensive coordinator of the Drake Bulldogs in the FCS. He didn't stop anybody in the FBS. He didn't stop anybody in the FBS. You look at those numbers, he gave up 38.58 points per game when he was the defensive coordinator in his first season with Syracuse. 38.58 points per game. That is insane. His two worst seasons as a defensive coordinator were his first two seasons with Syracuse. And then you have a, a, a good season last season, and then what's? But you had Eric Dungy once again, and then what are you doing? What are you doing now? You're giving up 58 points. They got outscored 48 to 10 after leading in the first quarter. You realize that? 
Syracuse against Boston College this weekend led after the first quarter 17-10. They were winning the game. I know it's hard for anybody to believe that they were winning any point of this game the way that it ended, but Syracuse was winning the game at home against Boston College 17-10 after the first quarter. And from the first quarter, the end of the first quarter on, the last three quarters of the game, Syracuse gave up 48 points in 45 minutes. They gave up more points than there were minutes in the game. That is not normal, okay? And you can't look at Brian Ward and say it was a bad game because, again, he gave up 38.58 points per game, and he's given up 35 points per game. He gave up points per game consistently at Bowling Green, consistently at Western Illinois, consistently at Syracuse. So the question becomes, why did Dino Babers hire him? Why did he bring him on in the first place? Why would he do that? So now he lets him go, but this was a Dino decision, okay? You have to look at the numbers. There's no way in hell that I would get a job, get a job boost and say, I'm going to take with me somebody who's not performing at this level, bring him up to a higher level, and ex you know what I mean? It's like, and, and, and okay, well, maybe you're friends and maybe you're this and that, but the thing is, I want us to succeed. I want us to do well. If I'm starting a boy band and I need five people who can sing and I'm one of the people out there and I'm pushing myself to sing to the best of my ability and I got I got a bunch of friends that want to be in my band, I'm not going to put my best friend in my band who doesn't sing well because he's my best friend. Because that's not going to be good for him and it's not going to be good for me and it's not going to be good for us and it's not going to be good for our future and eventually something's going to happen. You know if you put a boy band together and one of the singers isn't a good singer, eventually that band isn't going to work. And eventually that person's going to be bumped out of the band or that person's going to leave the band or the band's going to dismantle. Hello? Dino Baber started a band at Syracuse and he put a player, he put, he put a coach in his boy band that couldn't sing. Why would you do that? Syracuse has problems, but this is the thing. This is the thing. So I agree. This is not all on Brian Ward. And I'm telling you that because Dino Babers hired him. Dino Babers made this decision. He put him on this team. Okay? That was his choice. That was his choice to do this. So with that being said, that puts you in a situation where now you have to answer to that choice. So when I was talking to Rob about this over the weekend, and we were doing our live show that you can go back and watch on facebook.com backslash live now DT by clicking on videos. And I'll also air it to uh, wakeupcalldt.com today. There's two parts, so make sure you watch them both. But here's the thing. I get it. Like, I understand what's going on. I get that people are frustrated and, and, and it can't all be on Brian Ward because Dino hired him. You know, and Rob and I were talking about the fact that Dino didn't say that his job was on the line. And he said, I would have had more respect for him if he said my job's on the line with everybody else's. Dino said, after the Pittsburgh loss at home, Dino said, everybody's job is out. Everybody's job's out there. Every Everybody's job is open. And I talked to Mo Neal about it this week, and you're going to hear what Mo Neal has to say as, as we move on this week, because I will play that interview with you, and I'll play the Josh Black one as well. But... You know, I said to Mo, I said, how did you react to when your coach said that? He goes, you just got to keep doing your best and working hard. You don't know if he's talking about you. He could be talking about you. You know, when these players hear that, and that's another thing that you, that you don't say publicly. You know, that's the beginning of the end. Is it good for the media? Of course it's good for the media to snatch that up. 
Okay? Me as a broadcaster to have a coach say something like that? Absolutely. Boom. Because it's not coach speak. Put it in the story. But that's not good for your team. And anybody that knows me that knows that I'm a human being before I'm a broadcaster. And that how I treat myself as a professional or how I act as a professional is how I act all the time. And what I mean by that is if it's detrimental to the team, I don't want the story. If it's detrimental to the team, I don't want the story. Because I want these players to have a great experience in college because they're only going to have it once. And I want them to have the best opportunity to make it to the NFL or to become coaches or whatever they want to be from being a student athlete because it's only going to happen once. And I want them to have the best coaches and the best university and the best possible opportunities and the best fan base. I want these young men and young women to have the best possible opportunities to live their life to the fullest because I, unlike other people, don't think that I'm the only person that matters in this world. So... With that being said, I don't like the fact that Dino came out publicly and said everybody's job's on the line. You tell your you tell your team that. You tell your team that. I've never been a fan of when of when Jim Beheim does that, when he calls out guys publicly. I've never liked that. That is humiliating. That is humiliating. When you bring other people into a situation that doesn't concern them. You don't do that. You don't bring in other people people into a situation between you and another person or you and your team. You don't bring in outside influence. It's just about you guys. So if this is Ohana and this is family, then you should have said to your team after the Pittsburgh game, I love you all to pieces. You all mean the world to me and genuinely mean that. And then say, you know what, with that being said, everybody's job is on the line. Everybody could lose their job because we need to get better. Okay. So I, as a coach, have to take more onus on myself and you guys have to take it on yourselves. And if you're the starting running back or you're the starting left tackle, or you're the starting, you know, nickel back or you're the starting whatever, whatever you're the, you know, we're, we're outside of the kicker and the punter and the long snapper who are doing their job. Special teams is doing their jobs. Sean Riley and the returning team, special teams to me is doing just damn fine. They're doing good. Special teams is good. We don't talk about special teams enough. Let's talk about special teams. The offense isn't doing what they're supposed to do. The defense looks like they're looking at the offense like, well, if you're not going to do it, we're not going to do it. But the special teams is still doing their job. So damn it if Syracuse's special teams isn't the thing that the entire team should look at and go, well, look at, you know, these guys are actually giving it all. They're making it happen. So again, Dino Baber's coming out and saying that everybody's job is on the line publicly on the team. People, you know, the players' jobs are on the line. Should have never said that. Should have never said that. If I said that as a head, and that's my opinion. That's my opinion. Me as a head coach, I would have immediately regretted that. Me as a head coach, I would have immediately regretted that. Because I am calling out someone's kids publicly. That is embarrassing. That is humiliating. That is wrong. And for being a person that's been in situations like that before, whether it's playing or it's in personal life, to be somebody who's been in a situation where someone else from the outside has been involved that doesn't need to be involved because somebody said something publicly, it's not a good situation to be in. It's very unhealthy, and it's not positive, and it's not good. So if I had anything to say to Dino right now, I would say you should have never done that. You should have never, ever gone out there and talked about your players. You should have told your players everybody's job's on the line. Because me, as a, again, as a media member, many media members are going to think differently than me on this. And I get that. And that's why they are who they are. And that's why I am who I am. And I'm very proud to be in my own skin. The media wants the story. I want 
these guys to have success. That's the difference. So Dino saying everybody's job's on the line, that's a story for me. But what did I think as the human being that I am up in here and right here? What did I think? I thought, damn it, he lost control of the team. And if they respected him then, they probably don't respect him now after he said that. Because how could you? And if you're a parent, how could you? You know what I mean? If your son or your daughter is struggling at their sport, when have you ever wanted a coach to publicly tell the world that? And you can't take that back. That's a soundbite. That's a video. That's a written article. That's out there forever. And the media can always reach back to that. They can always reach back to that. And so... It is not all on Brian Ward. To kind of sum up what we've talked about before we take our first fast break here on the show today, it's not all about Brian Ward. I gave you the numbers and I gave you the statistics and I told you what he had not done. I mean, his job as a defensive coordinator is to stop other people's offenses and he has not done that for years. So my thought to you was, why would Dino Babers even hire him to join him in Syracuse if he, like he couldn't find any other defensive coordinator out there. He couldn't find a defensive coordinator that wasn't giving up 30 to 40 points a game. There was nobody out there. There was no available coach out there that wasn't giving up that many points a game or some young guy who's been coming up the ranks. There was nobody available. So that was my first question. So that in and of itself, I said, okay, so Brian Ward has not statistically been a good defensive coordinator. Okay, by the numbers. He hasn't been a good defensive coordinator. By the numbers. Nobody's going to refute that. Okay? And Scott Schaefer, you could say whatever you want to say about Scott Schaefer, but when he, what did our, what did Syracuse's defense go from like 100 and it was something ridiculous. They were in the hundreds and they went to like the top 15 in defense when he was the defensive coordinator. So when we look at this situation, and we look at Brian Ward's numbers, I question why he was hired as the defensive coordinator in the first place. He didn't perform, so Dino Babers fires him. But to the people's point that say to the Pat and, and Rob and, and other people out there that have said these things, well, you know, why are we talking about Brian Ward and not talking about Dino Babers? I'm connecting it all back together and saying Brian Ward was hired by Dino Babers and Dino already knew his lack of success as a defensive coordinator. So why would Dino hire him in the first place? So as much as I'm putting some of the onus on Brian, I'm also putting it on Dino. And then to go to our next point that we had this morning, Dino talking about players quitting publicly and Dino talking about everybody's job being on the line publicly is not a good look for a head coach. And it looks like a coach who's lost control and it looks like a coach who doesn't have the respect or maybe doesn't care at this point. And that is not Ohana to me. That is not family. So with that being said, we're going to take our first step aside of the show. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. It's wall-to-wall Syracuse football talk. I also ask you all this morning, this has nothing to do with Syracuse football, but it has to do with life. And you know that Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora and my company, Dan Tortora Broadcast Media, has always stood for where sports meets life and life taking precedence, precedence over everything. So with that being said, I ask you to do something for me this morning. My niece, Ariana, right now is in the NICU, and I just ask you to pray that everything works out, that everything is okay, 
that mom and dad are good, that the kids are good, that she's good, that all the loved ones and the families are good, and that she has the best doctors and the best medicine and the best everything there for her. Just say a prayer that Ariana is going to be healthy, 100%, totally healthy, totally amazing, and have an amazing life, live for 100 some odd years, and have the best here for her. So I ask you this morning to say a prayer for Ariana and for everybody out there that's fighting, because unfortunately, kids can't tell you, you know, when they're just born, they can't tell you what's wrong, they can't tell you what's bothering them. So just pray that God's loving, welcoming, healing hand will be there for Ariana and he will guide every doctor and every nurse and every everybody and guide the parents and guide everyone to make sure that this baby makes it home safe and sound because she already means the world to me and I haven't even met her yet. So please just say a prayer for her today. There are bigger things in sports. And if I have to remind you that and remind myself of that every day, well, then so be it because we need that reminder, especially in today's world. I'll take a step aside for a fast break. We'll be back in just a moment. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. Now that the weather has turned chilly, why not be a hero to your family and friends and treat them to some fresh, handmade ice cream from Carvel DeWitt? Whether it's our ice cream, novelties, or world-famous cakes, we make everything fresh by hand daily. Don't be fooled by the ice cream that you see in the grocery store that could be weeks or months old. Carvel DeWitt is the oldest Carvel in the country and prides itself on making the best, freshest ice cream every single day. Come on in and taste the fresh difference and be a hero to your family and friends. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Charney's Men's Clothing is your one-stop shop for your men's dress-up and dress-down wear. Located on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, Charney's Men's Clothing is proud to be your trusted name for decades in suits, sport coats, tuxedos, and all accessories. Charney's Men's Clothing also provides sports and leisure-themed casual wear for the everyday man. Stop in and see our welcome and friendly staff on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Here on Facebook.com backslash WakeUpCallDT and on WakeUpCallDT.com as well as on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. So however you're listening, however you're watching, thank you so much for being a part of the show. We are talking about Syracuse football and we are getting some of your thoughts. We're going to take your thoughts in in hour number two. I'll be sharing a bunch of the thoughts that have come in. But yeah, we're just talking. We're talking about the problems. We're talking about the issues right now with Syracuse football and it's uh, it's unfortunate. 
I did not think by any stretch of the imagination that I was going to be covering a team right now that's three and six. And it's it's baffling to me that this is how far they've fallen. Now, I said at the beginning of the season, and, and I'm going to put these up here because those of you that listen and watch all the time, you know this. But I said at the beginning of the season that these were the three areas of concern. Number one, offensive line. Number two, quarterback. And number three, linebacker. Those are still issues. They're still problems. Because the linebacker core had gotten better, but now they're not stopping anybody. They're not stopping anybody. Okay, the quarterback situation is still a problem because Tommy DeVito does not look comfortable out there. He's not making good decisions. He looks timid, and he doesn't look like he has confidence or command of the offense. On top of all of that, the offensive line is the biggest glaring issue. Rob says, accept your failures the same way you accept your success. And I would answer that. If you accept your failures the same way you accept your success, I would say with with humbleness, with grace, and with an open mind and an open heart to learn. That's what I would say, to get better. Alan said, uh, Dino hired Ward because it fit fit in price-wise. There's other guys you could find for that price. It's just how it is. I'm not I'm not going to make money an issue in this one. I'm not going to make money an issue. And like Rob said, Dino got an increase, did he not? Dino got a pay raise. He got a pay raise for one good year. Brian Ward had one good year. And if you gave him a pay raise, that wouldn't have changed everything else about his numbers. There's other people out there. There are plenty of coaches. Thousands of coaches. Dying for an opportunity. Brian Ward did not. That's why I read my story this morning from September 8th, 2018. Or did I write about two? Did I write it last year? Two years ago. So, oh no, I think I did write it. I wrote it last year. My apologies. So I said, what did I say? Two years? No, I said a year and two months. I was right. So fight with myself this morning. It's cool. But September 8th, 2018, I, I gave you the numbers of Brian Ward and I told you what he had done. And how much it didn't make sense that he was a defensive coordinator of Syracuse because he couldn't stop anybody. And here we are this morning having the same conversation. You know, and I wrote in that article, what is the definition of insanity? Syracuse is the only team in the ACC of 14 member schools to not win a game. That includes Florida State, who has won three games and has fired their head coach over this weekend as well. Willie Taggart, he's gone. Willie Taggart is gone. Willie Taggart wasn't even there for two full seasons. Willie Taggart was four and five. And I said that. I was like, you know, obviously Jimbo knew something that was going down in Florida State because he got out. Because at Texas A&M, he's not doing himself any better. He's in the he's in the SEC, and, and he ain't going to get out of that thing. Okay? Unless he decides to beat Alabama at some point in his career, where's he going to go? So you get more money, but you had a better road to success with Florida State. So obviously Florida State had issues over the years, right, on and off the field with their players and whatnot. So he leaves, 
after a very tumultuous season, Willie Taggart takes over. Willie Taggart tells me last season that he's got to figure out who wants it and who doesn't in the locker room. He's trying to clean that up and figure it out from what I took from our conversation. And he doesn't even get two years to do it. They're five and seven last year. They're four and five this year. He gets fired. But they still won three games in the ACC. Dino Babers has been with Syracuse for three-plus seasons. They're 0-5 in the ACC right now, and he still has his job. So what does that tell you? Florida State was not willing to lose for one year, let alone two years. Syracuse was 4-8, 4-8, 10-3, and now 3-6 and under Dino Babers, and he's still there. So that shows you where things are at. Florida State says, no, we should be vying for championships. Syracuse is like, eh. <laughs> so, uh, so people are coming out saying, well, wh- where, where is the Dino Babers conversation? Where's the conversation about when does this fall on Dino? And I'm telling you that I think the hiring of Brian Ward falls on him. And when you fire a coach, you are essentially starting the clock on whether or not you're going to get fired. Because if you fire your defensive coordinator and you bring in a new defensive coordinator and he doesn't pan out and you fire your offensive coordinator and you bring in a new offensive coordinator and he doesn't pan out, then the next move is you. Because here are the offensive and defensive coordinators, right? They're on the, for those of you that are listening, they're the shoulders. The head is the head coach, right? So if you cut off the shoulders and you put two, two, if you cut off the shoulders and replace them with two new shoulders, so you cut off the right shoulder and you cut off the left shoulder and you put two new ones on and the head's still bobbling and can't stay up, who goes? The head coach. It's reality. And I don't know if Dino knows that, but he should know that. Firing one of your coordinators or both of your coordinators puts a clock on your head. You gave up 63 points to Maryland. You lost by 43 points to Maryland. Should we tell you where Maryland sits right now currently? Because Maryland isn't, isn't that good. Maryland is 3-6. and six. Syracuse is 3-6. and six. The only team that they beat that bad besides Syracuse was Howard, who lost 79 to nothing. After beating Syracuse, Maryland's won one game. They beat Rutgers, who is at the basement of the Big Ten. They beat Howard, who they were supposed to. So think about that. Syracuse lost by 43 points. The defense gave up 63 points, and the offense couldn't score against Maryland, a team who is on a four-game losing streak, who's lost six of their last seven games, and has lost to any team of any merit, including, I mean, they've literally lost. Temple's a good team. Penn State's a good team. They lost to Purdue as well. They lost to Indiana, who are those are like middle of the road teams in the Big Ten. They lost to Minnesota and they lost to Michigan. <clears throat> and they got to play Ohio State, Nebraska, and Michigan State. This is a team that may end the season three and nine. So they're three and six, and Syracuse is three and six, and they beat Syracuse by forty three points and scored almost seventy on them. And how do you look at a a coaching staff that allowed 76 points to Pittsburgh and is now allowing 63 points to a terrible Maryland team and 58 points to a Boston College team that is not known for scoring. Boston College is known for, is known for running the ball and playing hard defense. And here's the thing. How do you do a scout report on Boston College and lose 58-27? to 27? Boston College has ran the ball for forever. A.J. Dillon is a tremendously awesome running back, and I'm not going to take anything away from him, but you let them run the ball down the field, okay? Teams te- teams do the air raid now. They do all the trick plays and the air raid and then this and that. What does Boston College do? They ran the ball nine times. 
nine times in a row. Run the ball, 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 touchdown. Just running the ball. It's all they're doing. You stack the box. They're doing things against Syracuse that make no sense because you should know how to stop this. And one of the touchdowns was scored by Boston College. Syracuse had left a gap in the middle of their defensive line. They put Clint, they put uh, Chris Elmore out there as, as a defensive lineman, shorter guy, stocky guy. They put him out there on the line. They left a gap in between, and all the running back had to do was run to the left, cut through the opening, and go. It was untouched. And I'm not blaming Elmore. I'm just talking about the scheme and what they did, that they didn't have their typical defensive lineman out there and the bigger body guys, and that they had left a gap. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying anything about Elmore. I like Chris Elmore. He's a fantastic kid. So, and I'm not saying anything about the defense. I'm saying the scheme. It made no sense. You could see before. The, I literally looked at the scheme, and I went, well, that doesn't look like it'll work. And then, boom, touchdown. <laughs> I mean, it, it's reality. And Boston College is not a good team this year either. They're 5-4. and four. They're 5-4. and four. That's all they are this year. Okay? But they've been to a bowl game every year except for one year under Steve Adazio. Every year except for one year, they've been to a bowl game under Steve Adazio. But when have they scored 58 points this season? Uh, never, except for against Syracuse. They scored 35 against Virginia Tech. They scored 45 against Richmond, which they should. They lost to Kansas, which was like a wowza, and they allowed 48 points to them. They scored 30 against Rutgers, who's terrible. They scored 24 against Wake in a loss. Back to the Kansas game, scored 24 in a loss. Back to Louisville, they scored 39 in a loss. They allowed 41 against NC State. And then you can look at how many points they've allowed. They allowed 59 points to Clemson, 41 points to Louisville, 48 points to Kansas, almost 30 to a bunch of other teams out here. And up against Syracuse, they score 58 points, 158 to 27. The only teams that they've held to lower totals than Syracuse were NC State, who's terrible this year, who also beat Syracuse. They held a lower total to Rutgers, who's atrocious. And they held a lower total to Richmond, who they were supposed to beat. That makes Syracuse look even more terrible. Okay? Okay. Syracuse is not just losing games. They're losing games to teams in fashions that nobody else is losing to on the level that Syracuse is supposed to be at. Syracuse is not doing anything offensively or defensively, play-calling-wise. Nothing is working, and it's getting progressively worse. Things are supposed to get better with time, not worse. You're supposed to be a fine wine. You're not supposed to be like cheese. Okay, there's a difference between teams, right? You're either fine wine or your cheese that was left in the sun. So you either smell like rank booty or you're something that you, people want to pop open and celebrate with. And right now it's rank booty. And I never thought I'd make that analogy on my show, but today I wanted to say rank booty and I'm saying rank booty. Rank booty, rank booty. <laughs> so fun. But this is reality. Look at the teams that are beating Syracuse. They're not good. They're not good this year. Boston College is a team that I respect. I respect Boston College. I respect Steve Adazio, but he's not going to tell you that this is a good team. It's a 5-4 and four team. This is not good. This is a eh. Okay, he's not going to lie to you about that. There's no coach that's happy being 5-4. and four. 
maybe in their first year, if they're taking over something that was left in the rubble. But five and four, that's not good. Okay, if that was me, that's like me saying I did one, you know, most of my shows were good this week. It's not acceptable to me. Every show has to be good. Every show has to be great. Every show. No matter what's going on, every show's got to be great. You know how much stuff I've gone through in the background? Things that have literally beaten the hell out of me. And I still get on the air and I still do my show because I expect greatness. Okay? It doesn't mean I'm not in pain and it doesn't mean I'm not human and it doesn't mean that things don't hurt. It means that when I do my show, I have to come out here and I have to give you my all. Because that's what you do. That's what you do. Okay? And I'm not seeing Syracuse's all this season. And now I'm seeing a team at 3-6 and six that's given up 58 points to Boston College, that gave up 63 points to Maryland, that's in these games that are awful, and you're looking at the teams that they are losing to, and you look at what those teams are doing in the rest of the country. Maryland and Boston College are two prime examples. You don't need other examples. Clemson is not even as good as they have been. Clemson this year, I would not say could be, could beat Clemson last year if they went up against each other. If we had an if we had EA Sports NCAA football and Clemson 2019 played Clemson 2018, I think the 2018 team would would have beat them pretty handily, like they beat everybody else. So you got a Clemson team that's not that great, and they're kicking Syracuse's tail up and down around the corner. And you got a Maryland team that's not you know you got I should say let me rephrase you got a Clemson team that's not as good as they were last year. And they're beating Syracuse up and down around the corner. You got a Maryland team that's not good at all, and they beat the hell out of Syracuse by 43. You got a Boston College team that's just one game above 500, and they beat you by 31, and they scored almost 60 against you, and they don't do that. And now I'm seeing players that I respect that look miserable. Okay? If you're losing, you don't like it. But there's a difference between losing and not liking it and losing and being in a bad environment. And this environment doesn't feel good. This environment almost feels like Dino's body language looks like, well, we're not winning now. I'm pissed. Okay, be pissed. But you're still a family, right? Ohana. You're still a family. This doesn't feel, this doesn't feel like a family right now. There's two ways that people fight. They fight for each other. They fight against each other. There's two ways that people fight. They fight for each other. They fight against each other. No matter what anybody's ever thought about me for 34 years of my life, whenever I've been fighting, I've been fighting for something, for, 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 for unity, for positivity, for bringing people together. That's what I want. I fight for, not against. There's two ways that people fight, for and against, right? And right now, it looks like Dino is fighting against, not for. I don't see... I want to see a coach say, we're losing, we're not doing what we need to do, and it's on me, and it's on my coaches, and it's on my team, and we need to get better, and this is unacceptable, and we are a family, and we will stay a family, and I love these guys, and I will do anything for them. I don't want to see a coach say, well, this guy quit, and he didn't call me, so whatever, we don't talk about quitters. Everybody's job's on the line. Tell your team that. I cannot imagine a situation where I would be a head coach and Anybody on my team would like me to go out publicly to the media and say, everybody's job's on the line right now because we're not playing well. It's none of their business. And they already know that. You think the media doesn't know that the offensive line isn't doing what they're supposed to do? You think the media doesn't know that Tommy DeVito isn't, isn't 
progressing the way that he's supposed to progress? You think the media doesn't know that the defense has trended downward as the season's gone on? You think the media doesn't know that the scheming is bad? We all know that. If we're watching games and we have half a brain, we know that. We know that. You know that. If you're educated, you know that. If you are Ohana and you are family, then you have conversations with your family behind closed doors. I would never want a coach to tell my parents and the world that my job was on the line. That's humiliating. It's embarrassing. It's involving outside people in an inside relationship. My relationship as the quarterback of the team, hypothetically with Dino Babers, is between me and him and my team. Not me and him and the media and, and the this and the that and other people's parents. And No. It's between me and him. So to involve other people in the media. I'm a member of the media and I'm telling you that Dino shouldn't have said this. And Ryan Alexander, no matter what happens for the rest of his life, he's known as a quitter now. When a job goes to hire him, their first question may be, why did you quit on your football team in the middle of the season? If you're a quitter and your coach knows that you're a quitter, how do I know you're not going to quit on me? Do you know that Dino calling him a quitter could follow him for the rest of his life and screw him over in jobs at supermarkets, being a pilot, anything for the rest of his life? That stupid stuff, that comment, that one comment could follow him for the rest of his life. He didn't call me. And, and we don't talk about people who quit. So there's respect and quitting there. And a company may not hire you because they go, well, they don't have, he doesn't have the respect for us. He's not going to give us two weeks notice. He's not going to tell us why. And he's just going to leave us high and dry. Dino could have screwed this kid over for the rest of his life. For what? A soundbite? For a moment where you didn't catch your breath and think, should I say this? Jiminy Cricket, you didn't give Jiminy Cricket a chance to hop around in your brain for a second and say, Dino, I don't really think it's your conscience that you should say this. I don't feel good about what's going on right now. I don't because I don't see the Dino that I saw last year and I don't see the Dino that I saw that was losing before. When he was losing before, he said to have to have faith, belief without evidence. He didn't go back to that. In the press conferences that I've been in, and I haven't been in every single one of them, but he didn't say have faith in us, belief without evidence. I haven't heard him say that. Not now, not this season. I'm not hearing him talk about how much he loves his team and how much he cares about his team and how they mean the world to him. I talked to him about Ohana and family, but I'm not feeling that love. I'm not feeling that connection. And I'm not seeing it from the players. These players are frustrated. These seniors are frustrated. Because the other problem that's been happening with Syracuse in recent history is they're not sending guys to the NFL. Okay? And that's saying something to me. They're not sending guys to the NFL. Team went 10-3 and last year. Barely sent anybody to the draft. That's not good. Okay? Because Syracuse has had some pretty crappy teams in the past, record-wise, and they send guys to the NFL that don't just go to the NFL. They become captains in the NFL. Did Chandler Jones' team win a national championship? Did Arthur Jones' team win a national championship? Did Donovan McNabb's team win a cha national championship? Did Rob Drummond's team win a national championship? Did Keith Bullock's team win a national championship? Did Donovan Darius' team win a national championship? 
That answer is no, folks. But they all made it, didn't they? They all made it. And they made it. They didn't just make it. They made it, made it. Right? Captains. Chandler Jones is still freaking playing. So that's another issue that I'm seeing right now on this team. They're not sending guys to the NFL. They're not sending guys to the NFL. That's a problem. Because now these players are saying, okay, I'm I, I'm coming to a school that loses. I'm losing, and I got no shot at the NFL because of whatever, the stigma with Syracuse or, you know, does it have to do with phone calls to the school and what the school said? I mean, I have no idea, but it's not working. Zaire Franklin was a seventh-round pick. Are you kidding me? That was disrespectful in and of itself, and Zaire is the type of guy that takes that level of disrespect and turns it into, I'm going to make it anyways, and he did. But Irv Phillips sets records at Syracuse, doesn't get anything. Steve Ishmael sets records at Syracuse, and he's on a practice squad. He's hurt this year. Zaire Franklin's a seventh-round pick. Eric Dungy gets a couple looks and nothing. That man's a friggin' dog. If Eric Dungy was at... If Eric Dungy was at Oklahoma State, if Eric Dungy was at Oklahoma, if Eric Dungy was at Ohio State, if Eric Dungy was at Ohio State running like that, they would have talked about him in the first and second round. So we talk about building young men and taking care of young men. Not only are they not winning here and obviously not having fun this season, but coming to Syracuse has affected their ability to be attractive to the NFL. That's not good. That's an issue. We're not sending guys to the NFL anymore. And you can't tell me it's because they're not good. Tell me Steve Ishmael is not good. He's one of the best possession receivers on the sidelines that I've seen in a long time at Syracuse. Irv Phillips plays all over the place. Mo Neal, he should get a look. Kendall Coleman, Elton Robinson. So Dino continuing to lose and not having control over this team is affecting this team. It's knocking this team down. Okay? And he's going to affect these players... in their future and he's affecting them now it's an issue that's an issue and that's something else we need to talk about because again I care about these kids more than I care about the story and caring about these kids I want to see them be successful for the rest of their lives last year Syracuse had one player drafted Chris Slayton the year before they had one player drafted seventh round Zaire Franklin the year before that they had one player drafted Riley Dixon in the seventh round as a punter. In 2015, no players drafted. In 2014, Jay Bromley and Marquis Spruill. In 2013, Justin Pugh and Ryan Nassib and Shamarco Thomas. 2012, Chandler Jones, Andrew Tiller. 2011, Delon Carter, Doug Hogue. Mike Williams was in 2010. In 2009, Tony Fiametta and Ryan Durant. In 2007... When Greg Robinson was the coach, Tenard Jackson and Calvin Smith. 2006, when Greg Robinson was the coach, Anthony Smith and Quinn Ojanaka. 
2006, James Weish as well. Ryan LaCasse. 2005, Adam Terry. I mean, you're looking at, I mean, these teams weren't winning championships, so these guys were getting drafted. And I forgot to mention Moose Johnston, too, who won three Super Bowls with the Cowboys, for goodness sakes. You know, we're looking at these bad teams, these teams that are so horrible. They're sending guys to the NFL. 2001, D. Brown, Moreland Greenwood, Eric Downing, Will Allen, all went to the NFL. 2000, Mark Banowitz and Keith Bullock. 2002, Kyle Johnson, Dwight Freeney. 2003, David Tyree, Chris Davis. Syracuse has had one player drafted in the first round since 2013. One player. Justin Peel. That's it. And don't sit here and tell me because there's no talent in Syracuse. Because there is talent in Syracuse. There's a lot of damn talent in Syracuse. And it's disrespectful to say that there's not talent in Syracuse. I'm going to look at the team right now. I'm going to tell you right now, if I was an NFL scout, and this is not because I live in Syracuse, you know that I cover the entire ACC and I cover the entire American and I have an overall broad scope of what's going on in the nation because we do Papa Joe's picks every Thursday with college football and we talk about this, that, and the other, okay? So I pay attention, okay? I pay attention. I can always pay more attention. I always push myself to. Okay, but I'm going to go to the roster. And I'm going to tell you, if I was an NFL scout, who I would put on my team right now, who I would give a shot on my team right now that's on Syracuse at three and six. Okay? Sean Riley would get a shot. Chris Fed- Frederick, DB, he would get a shot. Okay, these are guys that, that are that are that are eligible to be out there. Okay. Let me just let me just go by seniors and, and grad students and redshirt seniors. Let me just do that. Chris F- Frederick would get a shot. Antoine Cordy, health would be an issue. Outside of that, he'd get a shot. Sterling Hoffrichter would get a shot. Outside of that, Sean Riley would get a shot on my team. Moniel would get a shot. K.J. Ruff, Lakeem Williams, give them a shot. Kendall Coleman, Elton Robinson, give them a shot. McKinley Williams, I would bring him into camp and see what he could do. He'd get a shot. Abdul Adams, who we're barely seeing now, he would get a shot. And I'm like, that's some redshirt juniors here. Tristan Jackson would get a shot. Josh Black would get a shot. It's reality. That's for, that's redshirt juniors all the way up. Redshirt juniors, redshirt seniors, and seniors. There's a bunch of guys I would give a shot on this team right now. But I'll tell you right now, like it stands, if the NFL goes the way it's been going with the stigma of Syracuse, Frederick's not going to get drafted. Cordy's not going to get drafted. Hoffrick will get drafted late. Evan Adams won't get drafted. He'll get picked up at the end of the draft, or he might he might be a late-round pick, or he might be picked up right after the draft. Sean Riley won't get drafted. Moniel won't get drafted. Kenneth Ruff won't get drafted. Lakeem Williams won't get drafted. Kendall Coleman and Elton Robinson, Robinson have the best shot. And that's not how it should be. That's how it will be, but it's not how it should be. And that's a problem for me. It's a problem for me because I care about these parents and I care about these kids. And there's an issue that is going on right now. If Dino Babers is here, and this is the best era of Syracuse football and God knows how long, since 2001 or whatever you want to say, then there needs to be consistency. You lost your linebackers over the last two years. You have to be prepared for that. I'm not saying that anybody's going to be Zaire Franklin or they're going to be Jonathan Thomas or they're going to be, you know, this. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying they're going to match up and be exactly who these guys are. 
or the Paris Bennett's of the world. I'm not saying that they're going to be that guy. But you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared. Why did Clemson lose their entire defensive line and they're still undefeated? Because they know how to recruit. Yes, winning helps, but they know how to recruit. Okay? Because, yes, winning helps. But the defensive line that they have now, I'm not sitting here saying that this guy's Cleveland Farrell and this guy's Dexter Lawrence and whatnot. I'm not saying that. You have to be prepared. You've known that your linebackers were going to lose leadership and veteran experience over the last two years. And Andrew Armstrong and Lakeem Williams have done some good jobs out there, right? We got we to gotta admit that. They've done some good things. There's ups and downs, but this is the first year that they, either one of them has been a starter. So there's ups and downs, and I think that they've held their own and they've done a pretty good job. Okay, and the defense is all starting to fall apart right now. But I think Lakeem Williams and I think that Andrew Armstrong have stepped it up. But we're looking at the fact that after who comes after them? There's no plan. There's no preparation. Who comes after Alton Robinson? Who comes after Kendall Coleman? And the line took four to five years to build, and you knew going into it that you were going to have issues. But what's the plan? Two weeks before the season, I got Aaron Service telling me that everybody's playing every position on the line because they don't know, because the coaches still don't know where everybody's going to stack up and they still don't know who the best options are. If I'm Aaron Service, I would be pissed out of my mind. And Allen says it's the fault of gimmick offense and defense why these guys aren't getting drafted. And that's what I'm saying. It falls back on the coaches because talent is talent. And I said it. I said it. I said it with Zaire Franklin. I said Zaire Franklin with Scott Schaefer was going to be a third to fourth round pick. And as soon as you change it up and you did this kind of reactionary, touchy, you know, the reactionary defense, the not come and fight you first defense. Scott Schaefer came in with the same defense he had at Syracuse. And what did he do? He came in with Middle Tennessee. He swarmed Syracuse and beat them in the Carrier Dome. That should be a statement. You know when people say, oh, if only we could see if Schaefer's defense... We did. We did see it. Schaefer's defense harassed the hell out of Babers, and he couldn't beat him. And that defense with Zaire Franklin puts him in the NFL. Zara Franklin under Dino Baber's defense, he's an afterthought because people don't know who he is because there's no good film about it because his number, it's just ridiculous. And if all you care about is winning games, number one, you're not doing it. And number two, you're affecting these players. Sean Riley doesn't have film from this year as a wide receiver. That's not his fault. Nikeem Johnson doesn't have film this year. That's not his fault. Taj Harris doesn't have a ton of film this year. That's not his fault. The guy that's got the best film is Tristan Jackson. But outside of that, there's nobody out there that's got the film. And that's not their fault. You're running your route. You're going down the field and Tommy DeVito has been sacked. And sometimes it's Tommy and sometimes it's the offensive line. But the wide receiver's got no film on that. It's an uphill battle for these players. And there's a lot of frustration right now, and I understand the frustration because if I'm a player right now, I'm going, well, crap, we're not winning now. We're not winning here in college. The coach is calling people out in press conferences. 
somebody just left the team, which no matter what you say, it affects the locker room, whether you were close to Ryan Alexander or not. When, when one of your brothers leaves the locker room, that starts a trend. That's not good. It's not a good trend. So that's a problem that you got to overcome. Dino looks visibly frustrated. The players look visibly frustrated. The seniors are worried. They already know the guys aren't getting drafted. Now they got no film this year. This is a cluster. And the only way to get out of this thing alive is to truly be a family. We'll talk about more about Syracuse football right after this. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Hi, friends and fans. Home Team Pub is the place to be to cheer on your fave home team. Located at 7990 Oswego Road in Liverpool, HTP has you covered with an amazing drink selection. Let's not forget about the signature drinks or those kid-approved gourmet milkshakes. The happy hour specials and pub entrees will have your mouth watering. Check out the website, hometeampub.com, or follow us on Facebook and Instagram for more specials. At Home Team Pub, you're always the MVP. Having peace of mind when you're out of town, that your furry loving friend is safe and sound, means taking them to Canine Campground. Because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets, it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right, Lily? So take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York, and see Canine Campground and where your dog will be staying in the classic cabin, the executive cabin, the grand cabin, or of course, the luxury cabin, because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. Now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pickup times are Monday through Sunday. Check K9Campground.com for more information. That's the letter K, the number 9, and campground spelled with a K, dot com. K9Campground.com. When you're going out of town, bring your dog to Canine Campground. Dominic's Restaurant, located on 1370 Burnett Avenue in Syracuse, is your home for Trivia Wednesday nights, 7 to 9 p.m., featuring host Dan Tortora. Assemble your team and join us at Dominic's Restaurant for free trivia with weekly prizes. Call 315-471-4262 to reserve your team's table. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. We're also live on Facebook. Thank you for all of you that are watching today on Facebook.com backslash live now. DT, Monpaz, Kettle Corn, and Popcorn Factory bring you what's popping, which is our list of topics every single broadcast. 
Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory bring you the list of topics just like they bring you a giant list of flavors to choose from for their kettle corn. And you can go get it on 201 Old 7th North Street in Liverpool, New York. You want to go out there every single week because they constantly are changing and doing different things. They brought a bunch of flavors out for Halloween as well. If you're quick, you might be able to still snag some that they had out there on the shelves post-Halloween. And you want to go out there and get them at 201 Old 7th North Street in Liverpool, New York. And you see today that it's an all-Syracuse football conversation. And so Dino Babers, obviously the helmet, talking about the team, Brian Ward and Steve Stannard, who is the interim defensive coordinator. So a lot of stuff to talk about on today's broadcast, and it's wall-to-wall Syracuse football because, you know, it, it has to be, honestly. It has to be. You know, we have no choice. This is what we have to talk about. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate. We're in a bye week, which is good for Syracuse because they can't lose this week. So, you know, that's that's a, a positive, I guess, you to take away. And the next game that they play will be at Duke. Duke's a good team this year. Duke is, you know, it doesn't show it. They were second. They were actually could have been first in the Coastal Division, and they just dropped. So they are 4-4 four and four overall, but they're secondary. Again, we talk about sending people to the NFL. doesn't matter what the record is for Duke. They send guys to the NFL. They got good defensive players. They got good quarterbacks. Uh, Louisville, you look, I mean, Daniel Jones, for goodness sakes, he's starting right now for the Giants. And then at Louisville, Louisville's been – very strong this year. You know, after everything with Bobby Petrino and losing all these games and all the stuff off the off the field and all the issues at Louisville in general, in the athletics department and with Rick Petino and Bobby Petrino, Scott Satterfield comes in from Appalachian State. He's got a winning record overall and a winning record in the ACC in his first season. He's 5 and 3 and he's 3 and 2 in the ACC. And he's third in the Atlantic Division behind Clemson and Wake Forest. Ain't not in a be sad about there. And then you got Wake Forest, who's ranked in the top 25. They've been ranked in the top 25 the majority of the season. They're 7-1. and one. The only game that they lost was to Louisville, and it was 62-59 to 59 in a shootout at home in Wake Forest. So besides that, they've won every other game. They're 3-1 and one in the ACC. They're 7-1 and one overall. So a lot to be said about, you know, Syracuse's remainder of their schedule because the reality is they may not win another game this season. There, you know, Wake Forest has got Virginia Tech on the road, Clemson on the road, Duke at home, and then Syracuse on the road. So Wake doesn't have an easy road by any stretch of the imagination, but Wake's going to a good bowl game. They're already bowl eligible. And I said when Scott Schaefer was hired and Dave Clawson was hired, it was around the same time. And I made the statement, Dave Clawson has something that Scott Schaefer's not going to get. It's time. And I said if they give Dave Clawson time, which they didn't give to Scott Schaefer, he's going to win in Wake Forest. And they're seven and one. And by the way, folks, for the last three seasons, including this season, Wake has been in the top two or three in the Atlantic standings at some point during the season. And right now they were two and they're back at two again. They're behind only Clemson. Clemson's nine and oh, Wake Forest is seven and one. Not too shabby, right? And Clemson's just played Wofford. So you know, they're nine and zero, but hello. <laughs> so, you know, but they played they played some good games this year. I mean, they're they're starting to look. This is when Clemson starts to catch their stride. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Clemson. I'm just stating the fact that, you know, Wake Forest is right behind Clemson in the standings, and Wake Forest is pretty damn good. And it doesn't make any sense to me that that 
companies, media companies in North Carolina don't even cover Wake Forest. You know, they'll tell you, I cover Duke and North Carolina and NC State and a little bit of Wake Forest. And I'm why and I asked Bob Holiday, like, why is that? Why is that? You know? There was there was a photographer at ACC Football Media Day at the kickoff that's that that the guy came over to him and he goes, Hey, he goes, get some shots of get some shots of Duke in North Carolina and NC State and yeah, if you get a chance, you know, get something of, of Wake Forest if you want to. They're all I mean, they're all in North Carolina. And no offense, but Shall we look at the standings? Duke is four and four. North Carolina's four and five. NC State's four and four. Wake Forest is seven and one. Hello. <laughs> is this thing on? I think Wake Forest should be covered, but if nobody's going to, I'll continue to do that because I respect Dave Clawson. And I'm happy that they gave him time. And I'm happy he was honest about it. He told me when he took the job, if you're not gonna give me time, don't give it to me. I need time. You're gonna have to give me time to build this. And they gave him time. So I respect that. But, you know, to get back to my point, Syracuse does not have an easy road from here. They have a bye week this week, but you're at Duke, at Louisville, and against Wake Forest. Duke, even though they're 4-4, four and four, still a good team, still send guys to the NFL. Like I said, Louisville has looked wonderful under Scott Satterfield. Nothing, nothing to be sad about now. You know, Louisville, what? This is his first season as the head coach taking over a program that was in shambles. Be happy. You should be. Wake Forest... Is playing tremendous. I told you that this team could win eight games if everything went right. I said if the DBs continue to be what they were and excelled a little bit more, the defensive line to be what they were, excelled a little bit more, the deep backfield, the wide receivers to do what they did and excel a little bit more, special teams to do what they've done and excel a little bit more, and that the linebackers would have to step up, Tommy DeVito would have to get comfortable in his role and be confident and be a leader, and the offensive line would have to find a way to find the right pieces to get forward because the guys that they lost, they had been building that over the last four to five years, and that's something that people understate, but you can't understate it. So I didn't, and I talked about it over and over and over again, and now everybody's talking about it. But I gave you your warning. I gave you, you know, that prognostication, that... Not that Dan Stradamus, I gave that to you well in advance of the season. So I said if all of those things worked, they could win eight games. I didn't give them 10, I didn't give them 11. I said eight. Eight in the regular season, but I could see six. I was realistic. I did not think by any stretch of the imagination that this team would be three and six. I did not think that this team should be a team that lost to Florida State or a team that lost to Pittsburgh. And that game was close, and it wasn't close. Syracuse lost 27-20. to There's nothing positive about that Pittsburgh game that I saw. Nothing. Nothing. They got killed by BC, and NC State literally tried to hand them that game on a silver platter on the road at home in Raleigh, North Carolina, and Syracuse wouldn't take it. NC State did everything in their power to lose that game, and Syracuse still lost that game. Syracuse has defeated Liberty, Western Michigan, and Holy Cross. None of that is positive. None of that's positive. You beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Okay? You beat the teams you're supposed to beat. That's it. But you didn't beat all the teams you're supposed to beat. And by the way, Liberty is three is six and three right now. They have the opposite record of Syracuse right now. Liberty, who Syracuse beats, Liberty is bowl eligible right now. They have six wins. Okay? Western Michigan is one game away from being bowl eligible at five and four.
and Holy Cross. I want to take a little check up here on Holy Cross. Holy Cross at this point is five and four. And they're three and oh in their conference, Patriot League. So they have to win one more game. So the three teams that's the only three teams that Syracuse beat this season. The only three teams that Syracuse beat this season. One of them is bowl eligible, and the other two are one game away from being bowl eligible. So what does that tell you? Even the teams that Syracuse beat are better off than they are. That's not good. And that has to come to the coach, right? Because when the wins came, they didn't come to Brian Ward. When the wins came, they didn't come to Mike Lynch. When the wins came, they didn't come to, you know, Eric Dungy making it in the NFL. When the wins came, it came to an an extended contract for Dino Babers. And now the losses are here. Okay? And you can't turn around a program that's not turning around. This is what the program essentially did. That's what they did. They t- they turned a little, they looked over the sh- and they're back. That's not what people wanted. Syracuse fans didn't want a taste of good. They wanted a taste of good that led to eating and dining at a great table. They wanted a taste of good, a great meal. Taste of good into greatness. They didn't want taste of good back to poop. Nobody wanted that. Nobody wanted that. I'm going to lick my fingers. Is it chocolate or is it poop? Oh, it's poop. You know, like that's that's where it's at right now. You can't say that the Dino Babers era was better than the Scott Schaefer era if Dino goes 4 and 8, 4 and 8, 10 and 3, 3 and 9, 4 and 8. You can't say that. You can't say that. And I don't think that this team is going to win more than one game for the rest of the games that they have. And that's going to affect Chris Frederick and Antoine Cordy and Elton Robinson and Kendall Coleman and Mo Neal and such and so on from getting to the NFL. And that's not okay. And Evan Adams was on a good line last year. And Evan Adams is going to be affected by the fact that this line is not good. So, the fans don't think that Dino has control of this team anymore. And I am beginning to believe by his mannerisms, by his reactions, by his facial gestures and and and, and just look, overall look, and being around some of the people on this team, I don't think it's good. And firing your coordinators is a danger zone. But Steve Standard, I do want to make a, a mention about Steve Standard right now so that people know who he is. If you're on our, you, you should be on our social media if you're not, it's free. So go to Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT, and it's chock full of information. And uh, on Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT. Just so you know, these are the notables about Steve Standard, who has been the defensive ends coach on the team. He will be the interim defensive coordinator. He's had 30-plus years of experience overall. He spent 20 seasons as a defensive coordinator in his career, and this is his third season as Syracuse's defensive ends coach. And obviously, as a defensive ends coach, he's led a group that has Kendall Coleman and Elton Robinson, and they've been pretty damn good, right? So, you know, you took somebody who's having success at his, you know, piece of the defense level, and now you want to branch that out to the entire defense and see if he can do it with the – with the DBs and the D-line as a whole, as well as the linebackers, and we're going to see that. Now, if this is one of those filler things where he's the interim, but he's just going to run Brian Ward's plan for the rest of the season, well, then it's going to look bad bad on Steve Standard, and then at this point, why even fire 
Brian Ward, because sometimes that happens. They say, okay, well, you're going to be the head of this, but you're going to run this to the end of the season because we just need to get out of here. And that's why I think people had a bad thought about Tim Lester. He was running. George McDonald's offense wasn't working, but when Lester took over, it was like, do the best that you can do with what we have here because we can't implement a whole new system in the middle of the season. So then people are like, well, he's no better than George McDonald. Well, obviously that's not true. So not in my opinion, by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, it's it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, how much can Steve Stannard do at this point? But we'll see after the bye week. And the bye week came at a perfect time for him to take over and the team to have two weeks to get used to that. So with that being said, let's take a uh, step aside for a fast break here on Wake Up Call with Dan Scortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. When I come back, I will read your thoughts on Syracuse football. I asked you to weigh in and tell me what you were thinking about the team as a whole, as well as the firing of Brian Ward. And you had a bunch of thoughts and a bunch of opinions, so I want to get to all of those here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and we're going to do that in uh, just a moment. So stick with us here on the broadcast, and we'll get that over to you momentarily right after this fast break, after you hear from these tremendous partners. Listen in to them because they care about this community. They care about Central and Upstate New York, or else they wouldn't be on this show, and I appreciate them. So listen in to them, and then we'll be back with more conversation. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Breaking news. The Press Room Pub, located on 220 Herald Place in historic Herald Square in downtown Syracuse, is where entertainment and sports become one. Trivia is every Tuesday at 7 p.m. with host Dan Tortora. Sports are always on from every angle at the Press Room Pub. The main floor features a full bar and restaurant with two private party rooms, featuring games, a colossal television, and more. So head out for lunch, dinner, or a drink and plan your parties with the Press Room Pub. 220 Harold Place in downtown Syracuse. Call 315-569-4345 for more information. The press room awaits you. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu, but we'd be here forever. So let me say this, Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company.
Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Proud to be here with you, hanging out here on the airwaves as well as on Facebook Live, facebook.com backslash live now. DT. So however you're watching or listening, thank you so much. We're inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. You can find what fits you by going there. Regular, big, and tall sizes, all different styles, dress up and dress down. They're more than just tuxedos. They're sport coats, they're dress shirts, dress pants, as well as dress the dress hats, the dress shoes, and of course, their graphic tees, their graphic wear, their Space Jam wear, Nautica, little bit of everything. Save the duckware where no animals are harmed in making the products, as well as their Bamboo K line, their Tommy Bahama, and so much more. So no matter what you're doing, if you're going on vacation, going to a wedding, looking for a new style, keeping an old style, eccentric, or you want to keep it simple, literally everything for every man, every style is located for you at Charney's Menswear and Tuxedos. Find what fits you on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. Inside of today's broadcast, Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory always bringing you what's popping, which tells you what's going on in the show. They are on 201 Old 7th North Street in Liverpool, New York. And in today's broadcast, we are wall-to-wall talking about the woes of Syracuse football nine games through the, through the season as we're sitting here in the bye week and the team is three and six. And I wanted to get to your thoughts and your thoughts that are coming up here today and kind of what's going on here because I asked you to weigh in on some things and many of you have so I asked you your thoughts on Brian Ward being fired immediately from Syracuse uh, from the staff he was the defensive coordinator on the team and uh, the linebackers coach John Newman put thank you Jesus with a Steve Harvey GIF I call them GIFs if you call them GIFs I do not care that's what I do that is what you do and in all Honesty, there's more problems in this world than Jif and Gif. With that being said, Eric says, I'm sure he knew it was coming. It had to be done. David said, who cares? Hoops this Wednesday. Chris said, good riddance. Hopefully not the last coaching change. Randy said, first of potentially many. Very disappointing. So he believes there's more changes to come. David said, was predictable, especially after the BC game. Joe said, keep on going. Richard said, it's a start. Uh, John T said, fall guy. And James said, how do you figure that the defense has struggled since Dino got here? But as I put it back to, Dino hired this guy, and Dino knew by the numbers. I looked at the same numbers that Dino looked at. Brian Ward's defenses got consistently worse over time, so the numbers weren't only bad, they were bad and were getting consistently worse. And the worst numbers that Brian Ward ever had as a defensive coordinator for points given up came when he was at Syracuse. His worst points, his worst statistics came when he was at Syracuse. So he got progressively worse from Drake to Western Illinois to Bowling Green to Syracuse, and his worst numbers came at Syracuse. So how Dino didn't see the trend, I don't know. Uh, Ernie said long overdue. John F. said it should have been the offensive coordinator. Uh, Davis said he'll go soon too. Uh, David H. said both. Uh, Jeff said, keep making changes. Paul R. said, keeping it 100 and a bunch of fire signs here. Uh, Guy T. said, let's just hope Syracuse will pony up the bank for two new coordinators. Mike said that he was just laughing about it. Uh, Jim said, I'm all in favor of his replacement, who is a tremendous coach. Go Steve Stannard. Get her done. Uh, David B. said, we need to get rid of the quarterback. 
Mike B. said, how the hell does this man still have a job? Uh, William B. said, think they had to do something. Andrew P. said, hopefully Dino leaves at the end of the year. Uh, Thomas R. said, after watching the Ravens game, Cleveland pick up pick, pick up of Syracuse quarterback as a running quarterback, just maybe. Uh, John S. said, the defensive coordinator had to go long overdue. Hopefully the OC is next to go. Can't understand any of the play calling logic. And the offense is doomed before it even steps on the field. Now, I'll agree with the fact that this offensive, I mean, Mike Lynch has been the co-offensive coordinator, and then then this year is the offensive coordinator outright. I can't for the life of me figure out why this offense can't move the ball because it's the same offense and it's the same offensive coordinator. So I don't get it. Allen said again that Brian Ward was the sacrificial lamb, which some other people were stating here. And I do want to get to uh, more comments about Brian Ward. So those were a bunch, and I believe we still have uh, a few I want to get to here. I want to make sure that we get to everybody's comments because we asked you to weigh in. And if you ever want, if you ever know, like, where do these come from? Where are these comments? You can leave them here in the live feed on the message board if you're a member for free on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt, which is our live streaming internet radio. You can comment during the show there too. And you can comment on Facebook by liking the page at wakeupcalldt, following us on Twitter at calldt, and following us on Instagram at wakeupcall underscore dt. So if you ever want to be involved, those are your ways to do it as well. We got some other comments. Uh, Rocky C said, Let's put some accountability on the head coach. He had to fire someone big time disappointed in Dino this year. So that plays to what I was saying. Dino hired this guy. So it is on Dino. Like Dino firing this guy is Dino admitting that he was wrong too. Uh, Paul R. said he had it coming. The Tampa 2 defense has become obsolete for college and NFL. Nobody uses it anymore. In order to have an effective Tampa 2, you have to have legitimate superstar Hall of Fame players. Justin said it's sad when anyone loses their job. This is a talented unit for sure that had underperformed for sure. Early in the season, I would have said their underperformance was due to the offensive inefficiency and inability to sustain a drive, which was leading to defensive fatigue, particularly in the second half of games. And I would agree with that. I've said that too. He said, I haven't been a fan of the Tampa 2 scheme since day one. We haven't been able to put pressure on opposing quarterbacks consistently to make it successful. I think it was time for a change. Maybe shoot this defense in the arm the rest of the way. So that's what we got on the Brian Ward saga. And then my other question that I posed to you was to ask you overall just what your thoughts were and just just what your what your take was on what was going on and overall thoughts of the team. So to get to that, I want to uh, get to some of the pieces here about what you had to say here on this. And so to look at that and look at where things happen with this team and, and kind of get your take, uh, this is what you had to say. James M. said, no words to describe this season. And then uh, and then one of the guys wrote to me and said, Danny, this team would lose to Rutgers, and I would agree with that. Uh, Dean said, the team is unwatchable, bring on basketball. Eric had a gif up of a girl just tilting her head back, just in frustration. Uh, Clint said, Dungey wasn't that good. Babers needed a careful diagnosis and quick action during the season. Look to junior college help. Look at coach performance. I would disagree that Dungey isn't that good, uh, 100%. But Dino does need to get some help and get some immediate help. Uh, Tim said, I'm a Gators fan now. Roger A. said, disappointed in the team. No real desire to get after the other team and show who we are. 
to them. They're just showing who they are to us. I would, I would kind of, you know, add to that. And he put a thumbs down. Now, Richard R. said, thank God I gave away all my tickets this year, not renewing next year either. We plain suck. Uh, William Willard E. said, football should have stayed in the Big East, can't compete in the ACC. And then Frank said, there is no more football in the Big East. But, I mean, I guess they could have been a part of the American. Uh, Louis, or Louis C., I should say, said, they should play in the Mid-American Conference. They seem to do well against them. Mike M. said, I hope basketball team is a hell of a lot better. Chris said, they're not all winners in a GIF with David Spade. Paul R. said, this could be the worst team we've ever had. And then Frank said, no, Greg Robinson was the worst. Jay B. said, let's take it. Let's tell it like it is when a team is winless in its own league and breaking virtually every negative record possible, then it's not the players, it's the coaches. This is a team that's lost its its power five games to a crappy three and six Maryland by 43 points. They escaped beating Western Michigan only after their quarterback and top receiver went down in the first quarter. So that leaves Holy Cross and Liberty. This is Greg Robinson level performance. This team had a coach who looks who took the money, interviews, bows, and commercials, but quit on his team. Babers always brags about the military, but as commander, he has not taken responsibility for their fiasco. Leaders either take responsibility or they're relieved from duty. Resign or step up to the mic and apologize to your team. USA, USA, wave that flag, Dino, take full responsibility. That might be my favorite quote that I've seen so far. Carl said, tired. Uh, Jake said to me, he said, Danny Totora, you know me. I've never blamed Tommy DeVito or any individual player all season. After I saw how unprepared we were at Maryland, I knew it was coaching. The kids were confused, mistake-prone, and undisciplined. Unforced errors and players out of position all season. Who coached these kids? The inability to protect the quarterback as bad as they were this season tells me the strength and conditioning coaches failed too. Today we saw a much stronger BC football team punishing Syracuse, pushing Syracuse around like they were in the Patriot League. The lack of adjustments in the overall discipline of this team is another indication that Babers has lost this team. Worse, we have three more games to endure and more all-negative records to break. Babers' ACC numbers look like Greg Robinson numbers 10-22 and 22 around the corner. Anthony L. said, better luck next year. Mike S. said, thank goodness for, thank God for basketball. Jerry F. said, coaching staff lost the team. Joe said, they suck, plain and simple, total embarrassment. Joe S. said that. Uh, a, Alfonso D. said, back to reality. Jeremy M. said, yippers, it's basketball season. Uh, Jim M. said, my reaction, Dino isn't going anywhere. John F. said, disgusted. Douglas G. said, bummed. Larry W. said, shh, happens, I still believe. Amanda B. said, what the hell happened this year? Had such high hopes this season, was hoping to go to the Belk Bowl. Uh, Joe F. said, need another quarterback. Dave just put a Syracuse fan with his hand over his head. Mike B. said, baffled. At this point in the season, these guys aren't bright-eyed freshmen or new starters. You are D1 football players that has gone through games and that have gone through games and made mistakes. You should have the ability to learn from those mistakes and not make them again. There seems to be a severe lack of ability there. Same penalties, same blown coverages, same bad tackling, same bad reads, same bad techniques. Enough blame here to go around every member of the team and the coaching staff. Does there need to be a shakeup within their assistant coaches? Uh, Dan O said, I don't know. I'm thinking the coaching staff needs to look at themselves for these losses. Marty S. said, we've given up more quarterback sacks than, any, than anyone else in Division I football. We are the third most penalized team in Division I football. This is a totally undisciplined team that falls on the coaching staff. 
Chris R. said, beef up Juco, so go get junior college players, grad transfer, portal recruiting. Ernie said, push, prayer under until something happens, is a bunch of the responses that we got from you, the fans, that I posed to ask these questions. And I thank you for er, to answer these questions, and I thank you that you have. More comments came. I got these as well. Kimberly B. said, disappointed. Jermaine, Jermaine T. said, let me, let me put it like this. Let's get ready for hoop season. Bill M. said, we can't recruit. Gary S. said, WTF, which means why the face, as we all know. Just kidding. Uh, Rob said, Syracuse is a dump of a city. I'm not even going to go farther with that one because I disagree with that, and that's disrespectful, and do not compare the team to Syracuse. It doesn't matter, and yada, yada, yada. He did say some things that made some sense. He said, you know what? I can't say that. This man had an opinion. I'm going to read his opinion, even though I disagree with it, because on this show, everyone's opinion matters as long as you justify it and you're respectful. Was he respectful? No. But I'm going to read his opinion, and then we'll talk about it, because Rob is not allowed to be quiet. Rob M. should not be quiet, quieted, or should anybody. Rob M. said, Syracuse is a dump of a city with less than ideal weather seven months of the year. It doesn't matter how many alum donate to make sports centers or practice facilities. Syracuse can't compete with the likes of the power football schools. So five-star recruits are never coming here unless a miracle occurs, and we're the only power conference school in America that has the major he's interested in. This is what Syracuse will be from now on, a mediocre to bad football school, and soon basketball will follow. I disagree with Rob that Syracuse is a dump of a city. That is my city, and I will defend my city always. I do know that there's half of a year with snow, but if you don't like it, leave. And outside of that, I do think Syracuse is always going to struggle getting the top recruits because they're not consistently good right now. Okay? And they're in ca- they're occasionally great, which is what Dino-, Dino said they can't be. And Josh Black and I had a conversation about that, and you're going to hear that coming up this week. Where you can't, where you can't be, you have to be consistently good, not occasionally great. Ross said, "Hopefully, Syracuse football can turn things around soon after this terrible start to their season, especially with all the high hopes us fans had for the team after such a great 2018 football season." And that's true. We did have a lot of hopes. Matt said, "Rob, tell us how you really feel." I said, "LOL" to Matt, and then I said to Rob. Well, I know the football team is struggling, but I love my city, and I always will. Rob said lots of people do, but it falls down a list of what an 18-year-old football player looks for when picking a school. Even the Dome isn't that big of a draw anymore. It's just half an empty space This that second-tier players play football in. You never see that at Penn State or Michigan or Florida State or really anywhere else. Their stadiums are packed even in down years. We can't compete on that level. And I've said that before. If the fans want things to change, you got to show up to games. Win, lose, or draw, you have to show up. You can be frustrated as all hell, but you have to show up. Just like, remember, election is tomorrow. It's Tuesday, November 5th. And I tell people all the time, if you don't register to vote, or if you register to vote and you don't vote, and then you complain, I don't care because your opinion doesn't matter because you didn't do anything about it, okay? You can be part of the problem, you can talk about the problem, or you can be part of the solution. If you complain and moan about voting and you don't want this person to be in office, but you don't vote, then I don't care. And if you complain about this Syracuse football team and you have the money to buy tickets and you have the ability to get to the games and you don't go, then I don't care about your opinion. So Rob is making a great point. Who the hell wants to show up to a half-empty space that fills 50,000 seats when 100,000-seat stadiums, when the coaches are on the hot seat, the, the fans still show up? 
they still show up. Tim said, I agree with what you're saying uh, to Rob, but Florida State has had record low attendance recently, and they did. They did this year. Last week against SU, the place is more than half empty. Babers will be moving on in less than three years, and it will be the end of any hope for SU football. We'll see that even a good coach will not be able to get it done here. Uh, David said, I'm actually okay with coming from a good private university with a good reputation academically. That on occasion has a good football team. I have no need for Syracuse to mimic Penn State or the big football factories. I still wear my SU cap proudly and always will. So Dave's saying, listen, I love my hometown. I don't care what you say. So there you go. Just so you know, we're looking at some things right now. Odds for the next FSU coach, 3-1 to one, then it would be Matt Campbell, 4-1 to one, Mark Stoops, 5-1 to one, Bob Stoops or James Franklin, Six to one PJ Fleck or Urban Meyer, Josh Heupel seven to one, Dino Babers or Matt Rule ten to one, Jimbo Fisher fifteen to one, Jim Harbaugh twenty to one, and Bobby Bowden fifty to one odds right now. That's what some of the things are saying up here. And then Allen said, Mac coaches, Mac results. He said, Marvin Harrison Jr. goes to Ohio State. I get that. SU doesn't even get a serious look. There's a problem, and there is. There is. Kevin Johnson's son is on the team right now, and there's no talk about that at all. You know, he's he's at the bottom of that roster. So it's tough. It's tough, folks. It really is tough right now. And I understand people's frustration. And you verbalized it. And I thank you for that. You know, Wake Up Call with Dan Satora is a place for you to have a voice. It's a sounding board for you. I ask you to do two things. State when you state your opinion, be respectful of yourself and others and justify what you're saying. So many of you have done that over the years, and I appreciate it so much. And I just read off all of those comments, and I'm sure there's going to be more to come because there was other things that we put up as well that I didn't even get to today. So I do appreciate your words, and I appreciate your thoughts. I appreciate you having respect in what you say and how you say it, and I appreciate you justifying your opinion by backing things up. And when a team is one of the most penalized teams in the country... That is a coaching problem. That is a coaching problem. Because even Rob said, he's like, I see the defense come up. Or he's like, I see the offensive line. When they when they pop up, they don't even shoot their hands to block. He's like, there's like normal, mechanical, fundamental stuff that they have to do that they're not even doing. So that is causing an issue as well. And here's the thing. A lot of these guys that are on the team right now, the quarterback that had to step up, the linebackers that had to step up, the offensive line that had to step up, they were all on the team last year. A lot of these guys were on the team last year. Even Carlos Vettorello, who was a redshirt freshman, was on the team last year. So there's no reason why these guys shouldn't be ready. There's no reason why they, that comes on coaching. Okay? You are going to, okay, there is the reality that if you have Aaron Rodgers versus having Jamarcus Russell, you're going to have a better team, right? You're going to have a better, a better shot with Aaron Rodgers. But if you recruited Aaron Rodgers and Jamarcus Russell's behind him and that's the guy you put all, 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 all the marbles on, right? That's the guy that you put the, the eggs in the basket with. You got to make, you got to get him ready. And if he's not ready, you got to have somebody else. You have to know. If you're a coach, you can't go into the season two weeks before the season and have all your offensive linemen playing all the positions because you don't know who's good where yet. I knew there was a problem in the offensive line before Aaron Service told me that everybody was playing everywhere. And I thought, holy crap, this is going to affect the team. Probably going to affect the first few weeks. Thank God they're playing non-conference football. It's affected the whole season.
So you can blame the talent all you want to blame, but Syracuse has had success with one stars, two stars, three stars, and no stars. Syracuse has been ranked in the top 25 when they took chances on local kids that Syracuse won't even look at anymore. And it was laughable that Syracuse put out that they were going to look at all the schools, and when they had their last bye week, they're like, hey, get ready, CNY, we're coming to look at you. No, you're not. You're not coming to look at anybody there. Boston College just played Syracuse with a bunch of Syracuse players. They just played Syracuse with guys that came from Central and upstate New York. Okay? The best team to recruit Central New York is Boston College. The Big Ten, Boston College, and UConn are the best schools when it comes to recruiting football players in Syracuse and Central New York and upstate New York as a whole. They're the best. That should not be the case. That's that's disgusting. That's disgusting. It's laughable, okay? And if I go down the line and I look at BC, if you don't believe me, I'll tell you. And I'm gonna so I'm gonna include, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you upstate New York, okay? I'm gonna tell you upstate New York and even New York City. I'm gonna add them all in. This is Boston College's team: Dwayne Scott, graduate offensive lineman, Bronx, New York. Isaiah Henderson, freshman defensive lineman, Brooklyn, New York. Isaiah McDuffie, junior linebacker, Buffalo, New York. Noah Jordan-Williams, redshirt sophomore wide receiver, Christian Brothers Academy, Cicero, New York. Brandon Barlow, redshirt junior defensive lineman, Cohoes, New York, from Shaker High School. Mike Palmer, redshirt junior defensive back, Endwell, New York, right by Binghamton, Maine Endwell High School. Harlem, New York, Cardinal Hayes High School, Elijah Jones, redshirt freshman, defensive back. Ireland Burke, freshman defensive tackle, Jamaica, New York. Adam Karutz, redshirt junior, offensive lineman, Johnson City, New York, Johnson City High School, right by Binghamton. Matt Ver... Matt, wow. Matt Valesi, redshirt freshman, quarterback, Mamoronic, New York, Fordham Prep. Nate Emmer. Redshirt sophomore, offensive lineman, Marilla, New York. This is Boston College's team once again, folks. I'm reading you Boston College's team, not Syracuse's. Kaive Bennerman, redshirt freshman, defensive tackle, Poughkeepsie, New York. Tyler Days, redshirt freshman, defensive back, Syracuse, New York, CNS. Jaleel Berry, redshirt sophomore, defensive tackle, Syracuse, New York, Nottingham High School. Those are all on BC's team. Oh, yeah, and John Phillips from CBA. Oh, yeah, and Tyler Rouse from Baldwinsville before that. Yeah, and Alan said UConn and, D and, and BC staffs are from here. Yeah, but think about that, Alan. Think about that, Alan. Steve Adazio came through Syracuse and has always, since he's been at Syracuse, maybe before even, but since he's been at Syracuse and all his time after, has respected the area. And how about this? UConn, Randy Etzel, was the running backs coach when Rob was at Syracuse, when Rob Drummond was there. And Randy Etzel still has respect for Syracuse. And Andre just said, this has been the most frustrating part of being an alum from Rochester going off of the fact that I said that Boston College is the best team at recruiting Central and Upstate New York players. 
New York State in general. Syracuse is the only team in New York State in Division One A. They're the only team in New York State in Division One A before besides Buffalo. <laughs> there's Buffalo and there's Syracuse. That's it. There's Mac with the, there's Buffalo in the Mac and there's Syracuse in the ACC. The only Power Five autonomous five school in the damn state is Syracuse, and they can't even get anybody from down the street. Because they don't recruit him. Stevie Scott told me he had no interest in Syracuse because Syracuse had no interest in him. He's going to go to the NFL. He's playing for Indiana right now. Latavius Murray went to Central Florida. Stevie Scott went to Indiana. Almost went to Rutgers. Dorsey Levins won a freaking Super Bowl and did not come. Mike Hart went to Michigan. So for people to tell me there's not, Syracuse doesn't recruit locally because there's not talent locally is BS. It's absolute BS. It is absolute BS. And Andre just said Buffalo. And Alan said bring Etzel back. You are all frustrated and I hear you and I am speaking, I am speaking right there with you. I am sharing your voice. I am undeniably, unequivocally frustrated. Right now. Syracuse. Hires a defensive coordinator that can't stop anybody in the MAC To stop people in the ACC. Syracuse. Doesn't know who their starting offensive linemen are by position two weeks before the season. And still doesn't know. Syracuse doesn't recruit and put people in spaces to be ready for this. And when Syracuse sees that there's problems arising at linebacker and offensive line and quarterback, they don't set themselves up for the future. And on top of all of that, on top of all of that, Dino calls out a player for quitting publicly and tells all of his players that their job's on the line publicly instead of just handling it privately. And then on top of all of that, all of that, all of that, Syracuse doesn't recruit anybody locally. And spits on its own cities. And its own surrounding areas. And its own kids. You tell me that we can't put 50,000 people in the stands if we start recruiting CNS and CBA and Liverpool and West Jenny and Cardinal Hayes Moore and the Aquinas Institute. You're telling me we can't do that? Riley Dixon came from CBA. Mackie McPherson came from CBA. Cam McPherson came from CBA. Robert Drummond came from Jamesville DeWitt. Tim Green came from Liverpool. Don't sit here and tell me that there's no talent in Syracuse. Mackie McPherson was told that he was too short. He didn't have the right body. He couldn't do it. He was never going to be McQuaid too, Andre said. But there's so many schools in central and upstate New York. And Boston, you could say whatever you want to say about Boston College. They've been to a bowl game almost every single season that Steve Adazio has been the coach there. They've been to a bowl game almost every single season that he's been the coach there. Every season except for one. And he recruit. He's a he's a coach who coaches at Chestnut Hill in Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts. Okay, Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts. And where's the majority of his team from? Massachusetts, New Jersey, Connecticut, New Hampshire, and New York. So don't tell me that you can't be successful. And what does BC do all the time? Run the ball hard, play great defense. What did Syracuse used to do? Run the ball hard, 
play great defense. BC went to the ACC way before Syracuse did. When has BC ever lost their identity? They haven't. When has BC ever stopped being who they are? They haven't. BC didn't say, okay, well, we live in a flashy world now, so we got to get flashy. They stayed the way that they are. They've continued to be the way that they are. BC has never lost who they are. They didn't go to the ACC and say, we need to change ourselves. They didn't see the changing of the tide and all this, that, and the other going on and the air raid and thought, we need to change ourselves. BC has stayed BC always. From what I can see. And BC recruits the Northeast more than they recruit anywhere else. They recruit the Northeast. They're not, we got to get everybody from Florida. We got to get everybody from Texas. We got to, no. BC has been consistently the same. And they go to a bowl game almost every single season under Steve Adazio, who used to be an assistant coach at Syracuse. So please tell me what BC is doing wrong and what Syracuse is doing right. And Alan pointing out here, Jim Brown, Manhasset, and Ernie Davis, Elmira. That's where Ernie Davis got the name from. He was the Elmira Express. Reality is reality. Syracuse hired a defensive coordinator that couldn't stop anybody. They didn't prepare in recruiting. They didn't get these guys ready. Penalties fall on coaches, and you don't recruit locally. That is the ingredients to never having success. And last season, you go 10-3 and three because the heart and soul of your team was Eric Dungy, and there were people like him, like the Ryan Guthries of the world and the Kylan Whitners and whatnot. There were guys on that team that gave it all, and I'm not saying that there's guys now that don't give it all. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying this team without Eric Dungy would have barely won three to four games a year, and nothing would have looked pretty. I know that he went 4-8 and eight a bunch of times, but he at least made things look somewhat appealing. And I'm not going to stand for anybody belittling Eric Dungy because he was the best thing Syracuse has had in a long damn time. We're going to take our final step aside of the show. We'll wrap things up right after this. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. Charney's Men's Clothing is your one-stop shop for your men's dress-up and dress-down wear. Located on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, Charney's Men's Clothing is proud to be your trusted name for decades in suits, sport coats, tuxedos, and all accessories. Charney's Men's Clothing also provides sports and leisure-themed casual wear for the everyday man. Stop in and see our welcome and friendly staff on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse. Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory, located on 201 7th North Street in Liverpool, is home to over 40 flavors with more than 200 flavors in their total wheelhouse. Sky's the limit for this sweet and savory Central New York company. Keep it local at your parties, fundraisers, wedding showers, baby showers, and more by calling 315-450-MA-PA. That's 315-450-6272 for popcorn bars with custom flavors and colors at your upcoming event. Make sure to visit them on 201 7th North Street in Liverpool, New York. And for more information, go to maandpazsnacks.com. Ma and Paz Kettlecorn and Popcorn Factory. How corny are you? 
Trapper's Pizza Pub, located on 5950 Butternut Drive in East Syracuse. Right off of Bridge Street is your local community supporter right around the corner. Join us on site at Trapper's Pizza Pub for our live monthly broadcast supporting Central New York student athletes and their sports programs. Call 315-438-4444 for more information. And find us on Facebook and Instagram at Trapper's Pizza Pub. Trapper's Pizza Pub, your local community supporter right around the corner. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. I appreciate you being here. appreciate you hanging out every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt, and of course here on wakeupcalldt.com. So I appreciate you. I thank you on Facebook Live, facebook.com backslash livenowdt. We're inside of the Charney's Men's Wearing Tuxedo Studios. Dress up and dress down at Charney's and do it the right way by going to Charney's. They have every size for every man, every style. It's a one-stop shop. And for all the BS that we've had to deal with with this team this season, we don't have to deal with the BS of finding something that we want to wear and have some fun. So let's make sure that we go out to Charney's and do right by ourselves, right? We all deserve a treat after all this stress. Andre Fontenet said, as a former D1 coach for nine years who is from Rochester, I would pay them to be a New York State recruiter. And Alan, and, and Alan, I'm sorry if I say this name wrong, Alan Isserlis said, sign him up. And Alan and Andre have been uh, all over this here uh, speaking with me this morning on our live feed. So I want to thank everybody that's watched and everybody that's been a part of it. I have tremendous appreciation and love for everybody that cares enough about this team to say something. The fact that you are upset, the fact that you're giving your responses, the fact that we're having a, a dialogue today that we spent the entire show on shows me that no matter what you care about your city and no matter what you care about your team and no matter what you care about these kids. And I appreciate that. Dino, I hope that you do care about these children and I hope that you do right by them. I don't know what is happening right now, but I don't like it. And I just hope it gets better. Steve Stannard, I hope you keep doing what you're doing. But it's it's so strange to just feel the difference in Dino from last year to this year. So I hope that that changes, and I hope that things get better. So with all of that being said, God bless to each and every single one of you. Have yourselves a great day. Please keep praying for my niece and Ariana and that she gets home and that she will be totally fine. And God bless to, to each and every single one of you once again. I just want to say that a couple times. So happy Monday. we got plenty coming up this week on the broadcast. We have so many interviews that are going to happen and so many things that are going to go down. So I'm very, very excited about this. So we have a lot of great things coming up. Jen Carlton, the uh, my alma mater, Marywood University Pacers. Jen Carlton is going to be joining me as well as Enrico Mastriani coming off of uh, the big time event in the honor that I had in the t at the tip-off dinner this week. So we're going to talk about everything with their teams and, and the dinner and all of that. We're going to try and get Deron Dickerson on, who's uh, great at, uh, at, at motivational speaking from everything he said to us this past week. is really special, so I want to hear more, and I want you to hear it. So we'll share that with you. And then uh, outside of that, so we're going to have plenty of things. The Ingredients to Success, proudly brought to you by Utica Pizza Company, will be this Tuesday at the bottom of the show. On Wednesday's show, we'll do fantasy football, as we always do, the Power Hour, proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub, and we'll be going into NFL Week 10. Of course, uh, there's so many different things that i got to get to this week. Uh, the annoying moment of the week, 
will be uh, brought to you by Carvel DeWitt every Friday, including this Friday at 9 a.m. And that'll be coming to you, uh, It's uh, like I said, Friday at 9 from Carvel DeWitt at 9.30, significant sound bites. So many different pieces are coming up. So I'm very, very excited about that and uh, all the conversations we're going to have this week. You'll hear from Mo Neal in our one-on-one conversation. You'll hear Dino Babers respond to me about Ohana. And you'll also hear uh, Josh Black on the show with me. And I'll get some former Syracuse players to come on and give their thoughts. I think it's a good week to do that. So this show has just begun this week. The conversation continues with Syracuse football. I am sad to see this state of affairs and I'm sad to see how it looks from the perspective of Dino and, and the players, but hopefully things get better. And I wish my best to Brian Ward because whether he's good at stopping the ball or not, no human being should ever be trashed. And so I hope that we constructively were able to talk about that. And that's why I stated the numbers and I never attacked the man because the numbers are the numbers and that's not the man. So Brian, I wish you nothing but the best. I pray and hope the best for you. And and I hope that the hate mail and the negativity does not come your way, that you don't see it. And, uh, and that people just uh, know how to be nice because I'm not happy with how the defense have gone. Defense has gone and I'm not happy with the numbers, but there's never been a moment on this show or anywhere where I have ever uh, defamed Brian Ward and stated that he's not a good person. So I want people to know that He's still a human being, and even if the defense didn't work out, please don't, uh, don't be, don't be mean. There's never a world where we should be mean. And Steve Standard, I hope the best for you. I've heard nothing but good things, and I hope that things continue to go in the right direction for you, and hopefully for this team. So Syracuse has three games to go. They are three and six. I appreciate you for listening, and I look forward to speaking with you the rest of the week. So I will be with you tomorrow for Election Day, Tuesday, November fifth. You better be voting. What did I tell you? If you have the money to go to a Syracuse game and you have the means to get there and you don't go, then don't tell me that you're pissed off about the team. Secondly, so that's the people, I mean, if you're telling me I have to stay home with my sick mother and I can't go, then I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you're not paying the money and you're not putting the time in, don't talk about it, okay? Because a relationship is two ways. And when fans don't show up, coaches don't want to stay. And when fans don't show up, recruits don't want to come here. And when fans don't show up, the team doesn't want to play. And when fans don't show up, the frustration continues. And when fans don't show up, it's a vicious cycle that never ends. Remember that, okay? There is there is some that has to be on you. There is some that has to be on you, okay? The other part of that is that's, If you don't vote, it's the same thing. Don't have an opinion about politics if you don't vote. Go out and vote. Do it. Okay? If you want to change things, you're not going to change them sitting on your couch eating pork rinds saying, I'm not going to vote because I'm pissed and my vote doesn't count. So get better and let's get back to reality. With that being said, have a great day. Be well. Be good to each other. We'll continue this Syracuse football conversation with you. and, uh, And things are going to get better, right? Okay? Things will get better. Things will get better. If there's good people trying hard to do something the right way somewhere inside of that program, it'll eventually come out. So we'll see that. Thank you to Charneys. Thank you to all of our partners that you got to hear from today that I appreciate here in central and upstate New York. Carvel DeWitt, Wildcat Sports Pub, Utica Pizza Company, Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory, Canine Camp Dog Daycare and Canine Campground Dog Boarding, Chapper's Pizza Pub, Honda City of Liverpool, Home Team Pub, Press Room Pub, where we have trivia on Tuesdays at 7.30, Dominic's Restaurant, where we have trivia on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock on 1370 Burnett Ave in Syracuse, and of course, two Charney's Menswear and Tuxedos once again. I'll talk with you soon. 
God bless and be well, and Godspeed to Brian Ward, Steve Standard, Dino Babers, and everybody who's looking after our kids in society.